WHYY and Billy Penn, this is your Friday edition of Hitting Season, a Philadelphia Phillies podcast. My name is Justin Clue. I write for Baseball Prospectus and Billy Penn. With me is Liz Rocher of Yahoo Sports. Hello, Liz. Hello, Justin. Liz, this will be the second time we record this episode of Hitting Season, as <laughs> we lost the first episode due to technical issues. Unlike the Phillies, we have the chance to try again after losing. As the Phillies did lose Game 3 of the NLCS last night in Arizona, their first NLCS game on the road. They managed three hits from the likes of Trey Turner, Brandon Marsh, and Alec Bohm. That was it for the offense on the night. They had a couple of opportunities, didn't really make any hay, which was a shame because Ranger Suarez really gave them a chance to win with another stellar start. Jose Alvarado came in and cleaned up a mess after Orion Kirkering suffered a small hiccup. Uh, but the Phillies never really came through with the bats and lost 2-1 to one when, the game and when the game resulted in a 1-1 tie going into the bottom of the ninth, and the Diamondbacks were able to walk it off. A lot of feelings flying around, a lot of upset people out there, a lot of people wanted to see them go up 3 to nothing in the NLCS, something they have never done in any playoff series <laughs> ever. But I will say after the game, Brandon Marsh was asked, how quickly is it going to take the Phillies to flush this game? What do you think he said, Liz? Uh, what game? He said we already did. <laughs> there we go. So if anybody was concerned that this was suddenly a different baseball team that was going to go outside, still in their uniforms, hands in their pockets, kick rocks along the side of the highway as trucks honked and people yelled and threw garbage at them, wallowing in their misery, sitting on the beach at sunrise, wondering what to make of this, how to, where, where, to, where to go from here, really just figure out what their lives are going to be after going down one game in a playoff series, they're actually still winning. I don't want to tell you, this team's ready to move on. So I feel like I feel like at this point, hours away from game four, a lot of people should be too. As we talked about the last time the Phillies lost a playoff game, you as a fan also have to be able to get out of bed in the morning and think, well, this is uh, this is not ideal, but it is the situation and it's far from the worst. I mean, even that loss itself wasn't the worst playoff loss we've ever seen. I don't find it. I don't, it was disappointing, but not discouraging. Liz, we've now seen two playoff losses this year. We saw a couple of last year as well. How do you, as someone readjusting to even experiencing the playoffs as a Phillies fan, how do you find yourself reacting to these losses in general, let alone what type of loss do you experience? Well, there's heavy drinking, though I do that usually during the game. Um, you know, but besides that, you know, this loss wasn't bad. You know, they, they got, it's not like they got hammered through the, you know, the Earth's mantle. He, they... They lost two to one, right, on a walk off. So, you know, there is for me there isn't much to get over other than well, that was an unpleasant waste of like two and a half hours of my time. I had to watch the Diamondbacks, and then the Phillies did nothing. It just solid, it feels like a waste of time. Solid geogra ge geological reference to the Earth's mantle. Liz. Thank you. That's, that's for any 
geologists listening, I assume they're all standing and applauding right now. See, this, is I what I mean. this is what I mean. We're getting the people up after a loss. We're getting them excited for tonight when the Phillies will once again play the Diamondbacks. We're getting the idea that they were flummoxed by Brandon Fott out of people's heads. Uh, and, you know, I <laughs> no, think that they was, were. That was something that I think a lot of people reacted with the same joke when they saw, okay, the Phillies handled Zach Gallen. The Phillies handled Merrill Kelly, uh, the two guys at the top of this rotation that, have, that were supposed to be very formidable. And, you know, still are formidable, but the Phillies were able to take care of business against them. So play, playing against this guy who's coming into the game three with a 572 ERA, well, I bet they're going to not be able to hit him. Well, they weren't. They weren't able to hit Brandon Fott. Uh, I don't know how much of a feather in the cap of Brandon Fott that is, but probably a pretty big one. I mean, it's a playoff win. You got you to gotta hand it to him. Phillies should have broken through. They just didn't. Because as I said, Ranger Suarez pitched excellently, gave them every chance to win, did not allow a run in five and a third. Uh, he probably gave them a few chances they didn't even deserve. He yeah. looked as cool and relaxed as ever. He allowed only three hits as well as one walk and seven strikeouts in, as, as I said, five and a third. Liz, has anyone ever looked cooler, calmer, or more collected on a pitching mound in the playoffs than Ranger Suarez? Um, no. I think maybe the only person I could think of is Cliff Lee. He was the only person a lot of people could think of yep. watching Ranger Suarez pitch last night. And just the way he fields grounders and, I mean, takes his time. I'm not, yeah, by the time he was ready to throw a ground ball over to first base, I mean, he certainly waits until he is ready. And sometimes that's <laughs> not as quickly as I'm ready for him to throw it. And nope. he's like, no, I'm not ready yet. Okay, we're good. Because he has such confidence in his ability. He is one of, well, he, he, is a gold glove pitcher, not nominated for a gold glove this year. Two other Phillies starting pitchers were nominated for gold gloves, by the way, in the <laughs> interim. passing understanding. Come on. Sure, we'll be the gold glove starting pitcher team with Zach Wheeler and Taiwan Walker both nominated this year and also Ranger Suarez is here. Sure, we'll be we'll be that team in addition to gold glove nominees JT Realmuto and Bryson Stott. Pretty good for a team that was said to have no defense. I remember two chuckleheads on Brave Sports Radio laughing at the idea. They said the Phillies defense stinks. It stinks. They when just said they that was all that? they that was all they said going into the NLDS. That's all they believed. And really? you know, hey, four gold glove nominees on a team whose defense is supposed to stink is pretty good, even I if mean, two of them are starting pitchers. And I would say JT Romito in no way deserves to be there. But then again, uh, Martin Maldonado is there, the Diamondbacks catcher, and he sucks. And so uh, I feel like the uh, the metrics of something is, has gone a little haywire this year. Bryson Stott definitely straight up deserves to, to be a Gold Glove nominee. He deserves to be a Gold Glove winner. He does. And you know what? You saw some of that last night, too. The Phillies' defense came through, uh, especially when they got out of a first and third with no out situation thanks to a huge double play induced by Jose Alvarado. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. But that was another moment where things were working other than hitting. It just didn't have the hitting to, to back it up. I think the Phillies came through in, in every way except the main way they've been coming through, yeah. which I, if you were going to ask somebody, what has been the Phillies' biggest issue in this deep playoff run they're currently on? I think the answer would predominantly be not hitting with runners in scoring position. And I think you saw that last night. It was encouraging in, ten, in that 10 to nothing win in Game 2 to see them score in ways other than just home runs. But at a certain point in a 10 to nothing game, you do start thinking like, okay, 
do these runs count? Who is even pitching for the Diamondbacks right now? That guy might just be in here to mop up and just eat this mess so that the, the bullpen doesn't get worn out in a, a game that is probably going to be a loss. Yeah, at a certain point, the runs just stop counting. Uh, but they uh, they did manage to get some hits with runners in scoring position. That was encouraging. Not so in Game 3. No. They were not able to capitalize, and they weren't able to do what they normally have been doing to score runs, hit home runs. Liz, do you feel like these Phillies who outscored the Braves on home runs alone, uh, by which I mean in the NLDS they hit 11 home runs, the Braves only scored eight total runs. Do you think this team is now sapped of its power following a, a game against the mighty Brandon Fott? No, I've been told that that's not how baseball works, that you can't spend all of your runs in one at one time or too early. Uh, that's not how it works. I have yet to see real proof of this. Uh, but I... I would hope that the Phillies will be able to, you know, put something together tonight. Like, the Brandon Fott thing, I... They were just so aggressive against him. I feel like it did not matter what he was going to throw on the first pitch. He was just absolutely going to swing. Everyone was just going to swing as soon as possible, sometimes before the ball even got there. Aggressiveness no matter what seems to be the Phillies' mantra in these postseason games. Uh, they have attacked a lot of pitchers quickly, early. They have not had a lot of deep counts in big moments. Uh, they've had a lot of quick innings. And to be honest, you know, th th that hasn't been the only thing they've done. They've managed to stretch guys out and, and make guys work, and, and that's been good too. But you have seen them come out swinging a lot. In, the, in these playoffs and sometimes it doesn't seem to matter who it is they're just ready to they're ready to do it uh there's been a couple of guys i wouldn't call it uh you know an epidemic but there's been a couple of times when a guy works a walk from a pitcher who's clearly having command issues the next guy comes up and ah swing, swings swing, immediately swing. which yeah you know <laughs> you don't want to see that that's not right but surely in this... now he will throw in the zone <laughs> i prefer seeing them play aggressively i've said in the past yeah. this team is at its best when it's playing aggressively I do think there's a difference, though. Like, playing against the Braves, I felt like being aggressive was really necessary because the Braves were, on paper, better than the Phillies. And the Phillies found a way to beat them, and part of that was because they were so aggressive. They were aggressive at the plate, they were aggressive on the base paths, and they beat the Braves. They didn't just, the Braves didn't just lose, the Phillies beat them. And against that team, I think that's going to pay off well. you got to take the risk being aggressive. You know, you might wind up shortchanging yourself because a guy gets thrown out at second you're running into outs you're swinging at pitches uh, a little too aggressively and you know maybe maybe that's the result but in this case no it worked it was the right approach to playing that team do you feel like you got to be as aggressive against the diamondbacks as you were against the braves because the diamondbacks are clearly a different caliber team they finished the regular season with 20 fewer wins than the braves they obviously are an underdog they were an underdog in the nlds against the dodgers they're considered an underdog here they wouldn't be in the playoffs if not for that third playoff spot. So wild card spot, I mean. So do you feel like an equally aggressive approach to the Braves is necessary here against the Diamondbacks? I would say it probably would have done them a little good to back off a little bit at times, you know, especially on uh, Thursday night. But um, I feel like some of the the problem was they didn't take batting practice and they're playing in a, they're playing in a dome uh, and they did not take batting practice. I think they just hit in a cage, which is fine. But I feel like part of it is the, the difference of hitting under a dome. It's the first time they've done that in the playoffs. And 
uh, if they make it to the World Series, no matter who they face, they it, it will be a dome. Sometimes it, it may be open, and this is the time of year that you it could be open. I know it was open, I think, at Globe Life Field yesterday. But, you know, that it's it's different. No one's opening the, the roof in Arizona. What are you, insane? <laughs> God. The, Ra- the Rangers, I do like how the Rangers always offer an update early on if the roof is going to be up. Will, will we let you see the sun today, <laughs> peasants? Perhaps. Check well, Twitter. The Rangers, I think, were saying it was really weird to look up and see blue sky. I'm like, this is sad. <laughs> That is so sad. What a depressing, depressing comment about a baseball game. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. That's it. In general, yeah, I didn't real. I, I guess I didn't realize that, yeah, the Phillies will be, if they, you know, whether they move on or not, they'll be playing an opponent exclusively under a dome for the rest of the playoffs. And, yeah, you know, I think that certainly could add. That's the kind of thing I'm willing to blame for last night's loss because I think a lot of people – Look at a Phillies loss, especially in the postseason when everything everyone's a lot more wrapped up in the results of the game than you know a random regular season Tuesday game. Uh, I think people are going to react a little more strongly and look for reasons to be upset about the game tomorrow. People have this habit of seeing the Phillies lose a game and then forecasting all the reasons why this loss will lead to other losses. And what I'm saying is I didn't really see anything that made me feel that way. Yeah, I saw things not work that have worked before, but I don't think anything is over. I think this was just a game that they lost because no one predicted that the Phillies were going to sweep their way into the postseason. So if you if you agree with that, which I think most people would, except for liars, uh, I think you would... You're, you're saying, oh, yeah, the Phillies are going to lose some games. Losses are inevitable here in the postseason. That's fine. Games, Teams that have lost games in the postseason win the World Series all the time. So I guess what I'm saying is there's no reason to use this loss as a reason they're going to lose more games going forward. I think what you saw last night was a hiccup, was something like you said, like not, you know, not taking batting practice, having to fly across the country, you know, regular person stuff, not necessarily like, well, his foot was facing the wrong and his approach during the, and they didn't read all the, and the scouting report said, I don't think it was anything like that. I think it was just a bunch of guys who can hit home runs. Didn't have, they had a night where they couldn't hit a home run. And I don't think that, I don't think that means uh, the the offense is broken. I think it just means you you might lose a couple games on your way to the World Series, and the the Phillies have done that. So I, I don't I, I wasn't particularly worried about the loss last night. It was a dumb loss, but not the worst one, and it shouldn't really change anything. No, I mean it was it again. It was just it was the last second loss. They were in it until the very last pitch. They were they were right there. It, it's not a it's not a problem like anyone who thought that the Phillies were going to actually sweep the Diamondbacks hasn't been paying attention for the last I don't know a hundred and some odd years of Phillies history they've never ever gone up 3-0 in a playoff series and what made you think they were going to do it now like they were these Phillies they were going to have to face some serious adversity like not just you know the Braves you know, won this game now, but oh, no, we now we get to go home adversary. Like, this is, they lost the first game in Arizona, and they got two more. You know, they don't want to have to, they don't want to be in the position to win, to have to win the final two, you know? 
This team is is not changed since yesterday, and yeah. uh, one of its biggest strengths is its short memories and its impeccable vibes, and everything everything in that regard is still in place. So you mentioned you know have people not been watching this team? I think people people have certainly been watching this team, uh, but I'm not sure people have been watching the Diamondbacks. Before the no. game yesterday, <laughs> we actually we actually had a blessing in disguise, and it wasn't even that great of a disguise. Uh, maybe this was going on before I noticed it. That's always the always a big chance of that, regardless of what I'm talking about. Uh, but Zach Lind, the drummer for the band Jimmy Eat World, popped up on social media yesterday. He real quick became not main character, but I guess primary antagonist because, boy, there was a lot of just just trash talk and mascot eating that was just building up in Phillies fans online. And since the Diamondbacks just don't really have a lot of stuff to them culturally uh you know they certainly don't have much history with the phillies which we talked about before this series they you know they're an 84 win team that i don't i just don't think a lot of people are that psyched about them. yeah they're not people are i don't think people get twerked about you know the diamondbacks the way uh those <laughs> those clearly divorced single dads did last year when they did that um Oof. that rap song <laughs> for the padres like that was embarrassing and cringe but it's a product of a certain type of passion that comes with the team um at the diamondbacks won their first and only world series back in 2001 the first time they've been to the playoffs i think in like 14 years maybe longer maybe it was 17. the first time they even won like a you know an nlcs game in you know an innumerable number of years so it's like it's not a team that has a lot of excitement to it they have the like here's the thing they have a payroll of 70 million that doesn't get people excited guy from jimmy drummer from jimmy eat world Yeah, and what was valuable about this was that when he stood up and was was trying to trash Phillies fans, respond to Phillies fans, suddenly there was a guy. We went from throwing garbage at cars on the highway to having an actual target for the vitriol, and that was such a, that was so helpful. We needed it. I I think it was really... Because the Diamondbacks don't have anything for us to hate. Like, Like, we hate Braves fans. Uh, we hate blooper. We hate the concept of the Braves. Atlanta, we hate all of it. There's just, aside from being hot and nearly uninhabitable, like, what are we going to do about, like, what are we going to say about Phoenix? Oh, Phoenix, it's so hot you can't go outside today. Oh, like, that's not, <laughs> it's not the biggest bird. Oh, they got a Frank Lloyd Wright house. Nope, they that's do. Scottsdale. That's nope. Scottsdale. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Had a decent burrito in Phoenix once. I mean, I had a, uh, my husband and I drove through there when we did like a, um, a cross country drive in 2015. We had a, a great breakfast there. And then we went to a bunch of great antique shops. Oh, <laughs> that's actually New Mexico. <laughs> wow. I was just thinking for a second. I'm like, wait a minute. No, we, it, it was definitely after we had that great breakfast and drove like, you know, 200 miles. Everything we're giving Phoenix credit for actually happened in a different city. So yeah. that's just, that's telling you all you need to know here. And they yeah. don't have a mascot for us to throw anything at. They have They no, do have like, a mascot. Well, they do, but it's uh, <laughs> it's it's not even a mascot. It's not like it has a Twitter account where it mounts off. Like I'm sorry, that mascot looks like it was made yesterday by a kindergarten class. Is it is No it offense that to kindergartners. Is it that it's cat? a bobcat. Why? His name is his name is D Baxter because D backs 
You know, I, I was trying to figure this no. out. If you, do you ever read other mascot origin stories? Like the Phillies, the the, the fanatic has like a full flushed out backstory. Oh, yeah. There's a children's book about it. Blooper was like, yeah, they just won an Emmy because they made a video about him saving the Fourth of July. Oh. Uh, and then you go to like Blooper's bio page. It's like, well, <laughs> he, he came. He literally came out of a mascot making machine. Like, wow. Great storytelling, guys. Way to put some, way to put a the smallest amount of effort into this. Looks like uh, a thumb. And then you go to you go to the D backs, and you're like, what is this? Not only is he not a Diamondback, he's not even a snake, and he's named he's named Bob. Wait, no, wait. What was the thing about a guy named Bob? They had a mascot named Bob because he was named after Bank One Ballpark B O B that they used to play in. Wow. Uh, but this is this is Baxter. He's a he's a he's a bobcat. Oh, because that's why he's a bobcat. That's why Jay Bell's son, who used to, he used to play second base for the uh, for the Diamondbacks, he said the mascot should be a bobcat because Bob Bank One Ballpark, not the name of their ballpark anymore. And uh, that was that was the logic applied to that. That's and the then stupidest thing. The I'm bobcat sorry. taking your bo- taking your mascot name from a second baseman's kid. I'm sorry. <laughs> insulting the kid i'm sorry i'm just gonna say it if you're an actual company like a a major league baseball team and you're just going to go like some kid comes up and says i think you should do this and it's like well great idea no i think it's it's funnier that they they, they're bad their nickname is an animal uh, an animal indigenous to the area and instead they're like what about like a like a bank what if we did a bank the animal version of the bank that our ballpark is named after. What if we did that? And then the creative team was like, yeah. And they moved forward with that idea, which is astounding to me. They're called the Diamondbacks. It's a snake. This is so easy. Why would a bobcat like Diamondbacks? If he gets bit by one, he's dead. Like, and he's going to run it. He's going to run into them. He lives in nature. People. I mean, people in Arizona probably, I don't know. They might run into them all the time. I'm just saying in a populated area, snakes aren't going to be there out in the wilderness where a bobcats walking around. Yeah. He, he might run into a diamondback and that's not something he wants to do. So why is a bobcat rooting for a team full of guys named after a bobcat? Not even named after a bank, conceived as a bank, as the living embodiment of a bank, <laughs> and then named funny. after a team full of snakes, but he's not a snake, and he doesn't like snakes. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what this is. What like are we watching in this NLCS? It's like having a university, and it's called Snake State University, and your mascot is a hippopotamus. I mean, this is where I'm going to remind everyone that Philadelphia has a snake mascot. But Arizona doesn't? Someone explain this to me. Don't bother. Don't Wait, bother Philadelphia explaining Philadelphia has to me. a snake mascot? What the union mascot is a snake. Oh, yes, you're right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, mean, I keep forgetting. that they, Not that they exist in, like, the union. I'm like, what is the union's mascot? I'm like, is it just a big sentient flag? I'm like, that's not right. It's because of that early, like, wasn't it a Ben Franklin era or drawing of, of the snake that was part of that? Anyway, oh, point. yeah. Don't, yeah, it's the. Yeah. So that's a that's a fun idea. Sure. I mean, he's a snake, but he does have arms and legs. Look, <laughs> does it need arms and legs? It's perfect. He's a serpent. I think that still counts. Anyway, the point is this. Shut up, <laughs> Baxter. 
Also, Baxter wasn't talking. The drummer from Jimmy Eat World was talking. This is the issue here. Uh, yeah, he's, he's now, now he's the embodiment of Baxter, who's no longer the embodiment of a bank, but of a uh, mid-2000s uh, what pop-punk drummer. There we go. Baxter, who I believe does have a Twitter account, but was keeping to himself. Um, <laughs> even after Phillies fans were buying tickets to prevent Diamondbacks fans from going to the game. Don't which... even start with me. I can't. Like, I, for like two seconds, I thought, I saw that on Twitter. I'm like, what a great idea. People are really encouraged, but people are really, you know, hyped about that. And then I gave it even a moment's more thought and was like, wait a minute. This makes no sense. The seats will be empty. Phillies fans won't get them, and these people are just giving money to the Diamondbacks, the team. Look, it was Why? an idea. They had it. The Diamondbacks official Twitter account referenced it in a frustrating, in a way that made it clear they were frustrated by it. Yes, they shouldn't have wins been. and losses, folks. <laughs> Someone had an idea, and, you know, the time between playoff games is very small sometimes, and sometimes you don't have time to scrutinize that idea, and here we are. Uh, it was something, it was an attempt at a, at a troll, and in some ways it, it clearly worked because the Diamondbacks were getting called out about seats behind their dugout still being open for a playoff game, and the Diamondbacks' official Twitter account was like, I, I can't remember what, exactly what they said, but they were like, well, maybe if maybe if those fans hadn't, like, bought up tickets and prevented That's, people from coming those seats would yeah. be bought and everyone was like those aren't we weren't buying behind Expensive the dugout tickets. seats are you insane we were buying 24 dollar seats we're buying that nine are... and eight dollar seats like that's i could have bought an eight dollar seat and i thought about it I'm like no i don't think so <laughs> i have better things to do with what's going to end up being 50 dollars of my money after fees <laughs> so so clearly the off-the-field aspects of this playoff series were finally picking up steam, which was great. <laughs> oh, my God. Finally. This is what we have. I, yeah. We just need, like, listen, I don't want uh, to put into the universe that we need to face the, the Astros again. But th those fans are formidable. Yeah, they're psychos. Many of them should be just kept in Texas with a fence around them. But they were at least, they were something. Like, all we've got right now is, like, the Jimmy Eat World drummer. Yeah. Like, that, we need more here. Yeah, and, and his big burn was about how the Diamondbacks spent a fraction of the, <laughs> of the cost to build an NLCS team, whereas the Phillies spent so much money. This was like a brag, and it just made it clear that, I guess in Arizona, baseball commentary is still just, like, what five ten years behind because we we debunked this <laughs> this is not a topic anymore no. oh you're bragging like oh yeah yeah you may have blasted us ten to nothing in game two and taken a a two one lead even after our win last night but our team's cheap and you're like yes. well I don't know if this is the burn you think it is because really all you're saying is the Phillies have an owner who's willing to spend and and make his team very good and the Diamondbacks owner is 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 not and is willing to just watch a team hopefully win 84 games and assume that that's going to be enough to make the playoffs. I I doubt uh, an owner like that is even thinking about the playoffs. They're just thinking how little can I spend on this and still convince people to to give me their money for it. That's my uh, assumption. That was that was the, yeah, it's just like how every every year or so there's somebody who's like, "Now, how about this? How about we apply dollar values to wins above replacement has anyone thought of this or done this before and everyone's like yep <laughs> every year for 10 years and mm -hmm. they get blasted off social media for doing it 
and you know tech bros invent the bus you know like it's just it's just that cycle it happens all the time someone thinks they're an innovator and they're just creating something that's existed forever and in this case it's an argument that's just been had over and over again and it's not something that anybody believes anymore wow you guys are so good because with that amount of money you assembled an nlcs team no they didn't they assembled a team that accidentally went to the NLCS. Like, come on. Like, they're going to say that they were trying to make the playoffs, but they were also trying to make the playoffs two years ago when they won, when they lost over 100 games. Like, they were trying then, too. Like, just because they're trying, it doesn't mean, just because they say they're trying, doesn't mean they're doing their best to try, right? Right. And I do enjoy the thought, by the way, of, of like baseball commentary there being because it's so far away just being several years behind like moneyball is just now making its way making its way to uh to oh, arizona and the west good luck United the States. southwest <laughs> have fun with that enjoy yeah no yeah it's it's really funny to to be bragging that like well our owner forced our GM to squeeze a bunch of, of talent out of guys who they didn't pay that much for. So how does that feel, fans of a team whose owner saw talent in the free agent market and paid market price for it, and now it's here and they're very good? I bet you feel pretty stupid, don't we, you? We <laughs> had to depend on Brandon Fott for our third game, and it was <laughs> dicey and crazy, and he ended up giving us a great performance. Your Ranger Suarez, who I'm going to assume makes $8 billion, was only amazing and great. Like, isn't that embarrassing for you? <laughs> yeah, all the time. All the time I'm embarrassed by um, the team in the NLCS with Brandon a lead in the series. Uh, yeah, so a lot, lot more going on. A lot more going on uh, before Game 3. And unfortunately, it ended the way it did. But as we were saying, I don't think this is indicative of larger problems with the Philadelphia Phillies. Just to go back to the game for a second, um, it was when Orion Kirkering came into the game that the Phillies hit the trouble spot, unfortunately. Uh, he came into a game where the Phillies had just scored their only run on a wild pitch where Bryce Harper snuck in there and, and scored and gave them a one to nothing lead. Uh, Rob Thompson went with Orion Kirkering, and, you know, this was a different situation. A one-run lead, um, maybe not late in the game, but late-ish in the game. And this was a different situation than Kirkering's been brought in to in the postseason. It feels like he's typically had a cushion. I believe he had a four-run cushion in one game, a seven-run cushion in another game. These are great places to bring a rookie into the postseason, especially a rookie who made his MLB debut 11 days before the postseason started, or 11 (laughs) days before his postseason debut as well. So clearly, you know, you're thinking this, this, you don't want to do too much too fast with this kid. You don't want, you don't want his, his, uh, the situation to get bigger than he feels. And so in, in a lot of ways, I think he has been eased into this moment. Like it was inevitable. Like you're, you're, you're a pitcher on a playoff team. One of the Phillies biggest strengths in these, in this postseason is the depth of their pitching staff. Everybody should be, should be ready to go in. And, and I'm sure they are, uh, but you know, a rookie is a rookie and, and experience is experience and it's valuable. And Kirkering doesn't necessarily have that. So Thompson, Gave him some, you know, as much experience as he could give him in the same postseason by having him come in and in not very stressful situations. This was a little more stressful. I'm not saying that's why the 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 situation resulted in what it did. I'm just saying I probably was a factor. The slider that is so so good from Orion Kirkering was not working. It was looking pretty flat, and 
you know, since this was probably the first majorly pressured scenario that he had been dropped into in the postseason, in the end, it wound up not even being that bad. Like, yeah, this was this was the beginning of how they lost the game. But at the time, the whole situation in which Kirkering gave up three straight hits and then was removed from the game really resulted in a 1-1 tie. That's still obviously a game the Phillies can win. That's not even a game where they're behind. Jose Alvarado comes in, and boy, he just showed why he is the best option the Phillies have for any situation. First and third, no outs. The Phillies get out of it without allowing another run to score. Jose Alvarado uses three pitches to induce a double play in which Trey Turner looks the runner back to third, the ball gets to him fast enough. He gets to it fast enough. He executes that look, you know, exactly. When they always say, when your coach says, look that runner back to third, you used to be like, all right, I guess I have to work on my look because that feels very powerful to be able to look a guy back to third. Well, he did it. Uh, he did it. They, the Diamondbacks weren't convinced that runner could score on that play. They turned the double play, and suddenly there were two outs with a man on third, and Alvarado was able to induce a ground out that ended the inning and prevented any more runs from scoring. So, you know, in the at the end of the day, not quite no harm done, but certainly not an insurmountable amount of harm done. And then after that point, the game just felt like it flew by. It was suddenly it was the top of the ninth when I looked up and I realized, well, unfortunately, it's still 1-1. The Phillies have not found that home run they need to win the game. You know, that solo shot that they, they've been able to rely on. Uh, so it's still tied. And if they go into the bottom of the ninth with the game still tied, the chances of the Diamondbacks winning go up demonstrably and then if they go into extra innings they go up even more because the home team just has the advantage when you're doing a ghost runner on second base in extra innings you notice how i'm not saying we need to change the entire sport because the rules didn't (laughs) work out in the phillies favor i'm just saying percentage wise you're not you're not in a good spot if you're the away team and you go into extra innings certainly in the playoffs certainly in this situation. So the Diamondbacks did walk it off in the ninth. Cattell Marte uh, got the hit that uh, won them the game two to one. Uh, The Phillies just, you know, they just didn't get that hit. They didn't get the hit with runners on. They didn't get the hit without runners on. They didn't get the solo shot, the home run, whatever they needed. So like I said, a dumb loss, but not the worst one. Uh, Obviously people were going to be annoyed that they lost this game and that they got absolutely flummoxed by Brandon Fott that Kirkering wasn't effective, that they had three hits all night. In the regular season, I think this becomes, well, what does this loss mean? What does it mean for next week? What does it mean for this road trip they're about to go on? What does it mean for the, this guy who'd been doing so well but now isn't? Like, What, what, can, we, what can we assume about, about the future? Because I think in baseball, everybody's looking for control, and no, everyone ignores that baseball is uncontrollable. You can try to influence things, but you, don't, you will never have 100% control over the situation. And in this case, in the postseason, you can't even think like that. You can't think about what's next. What does this mean for tomorrow? It means nothing. It has to mean nothing. You just got to go into the next game and be like, all right, we won yesterday. Let's win again today. Or we lost yesterday. Let's forget it. As Brandon Marsh said, game's already been flushed by the Phillies. I don't think anybody's surprised by that. So remember what happened last time. Nick Castellanos watched another team celebrate a playoff win in front of him this year. Not only does this team always come back after getting punched, Liz, they kind of seem like they need to be punched every series. They kind of seem like they want to be punched every series they play in just to get that mid-series extra juice where it's like, oh, right, that's what it feels like when somebody else celebrates. I hate that. Let's go out there and win tomorrow. Yes, it's it's like they, they, need, they need a little bit of – they need a wake-up call. They need to remember that it's not so easy. They need to have something to fight against. And I think every – 
every good team needs to be able to make bulletin board, you know, bulletin board material out of anything. Um, you don't, the best athletes know not to let people see them do that because it's really crazy, sometimes in, insane, but the best athletes know how to do that. And I think getting punched is a version of that. You know, they have to, you know, they, they baseball teams lose. They aren't going to perform all the time. And when the Phillies lose, they know how to use it to fuel them in the future. Because, you know, Brandon Mars says, we've already forgotten it. Like, you have, but you have it. It's just making you, it's just in fueling the desire, increasing, increasing the need to go out there and beat the crap out of them. Well, it just means... You know, yeah, we haven't literally forgotten it, but we've forgotten all those debilitating emotions that can come out of a disappointing yep. outcome. That's what gets flushed immediately. Yeah, just and that now is, we're starting clean. In the playoffs, that's how it's got to be. It's gold just fish. Absolutely. Fish. There's no other way to approach it. And boy, you know, the, the, you got to just come back and win tonight. And this team is really good at making things mean nothing. So that's a huge strength. And when people say they're built for the playoffs... In a lot of ways, I think that is that is what they mean. And yeah. I, I don't think that's necessarily something you can, like, build roster-wise. You hope, you know, that, that that's part of the chemistry that you've, that you've constructed. But I think this is just, this is a gift that you have a bunch of guys here who want to win, who love playing together. And when they lose, they're just like, all right, forget it. We got this. We know what we're capable of. And we fans know what they're capable of, too. They've been capable of it all, all, all postseason long. So... This is, uh, I think, I think that's the that's the message you can get from last night. It was frustrating, it was annoying to see Kirkering struggle. It was a, it was annoying. I mean, did you did you give Thompson any blame for putting Kirkering in there? Do you think his bullpen management had any role there? Because I view it more as he put the kid in he wanted to put in, and this time it didn't work. He brought in Alvarado, that worked. Everything was fine. Do you think there's like a, a flaw in his bullpen management that you want to complain about? Or do you think this was more just like he put in a guy and that guy didn't come through? I think it's, I think it was an entirely defendable position. Like Kirkering needs to see some high pressure situations. He wasn't always just going to be able to pitch with, you know, big leads. That's not something, you know, any pitcher goes their life only doing. You know, it was time for him to face a high pressure situation. Um, Thompson thought that it was the right time, he was the right guy to do it, and it just didn't work out. Like, it's not it, it's not Thompson's fault. You know, he's not the one that threw the ball. <laughs> Kirkering is. And he, if you asked him, I'm sure he'd say, I, I'm the one that failed. You know, Topper pointed at me, and it was my job to go in there and get the outs, and I didn't do it. And, yeah. Yeah, it's just the way it is. Like, Every baseball player has to be prepared. Every, and every baseball player is. They know. Their coaches are there to help them, to assist them, to, you know, to advise them, to encourage them. But when it comes down to it, they're the ones in the moment, in the big moments. They're the ones standing there at home plate, the 3-2 count, and they have got to put the ball in play, or the inning is over. Like, those are huge moments where a lot of people are depending on you. And, you know, athletes, high-level athletes are ready to do that. And Kirkering still just needs some practice. So you're saying you were not surprised that Orion Kirkering didn't come to reporters and say, Rob Thompson and I are done professionally. <laughs> that he didn't just tear up a picture of Rob Thompson on camera and say, that's it. This guy blew it for everyone. I think we can all agree. I think we're all thinking the same thing here. Yeah, he's not doing that. No way. 
<laughs> you know, absolutely he would. Absolutely. He's definitely the type of team that encourages, encourages that behavior. Yeah. Well, but every athlete knows how to do Every athlete takes the blame for their own performance and they all know how to do it. And, you know, you all, you, all the manager can do is look at the numbers and look at the guys and say, I hope this works out. Nah, yeah, I, I, I think that's, yeah, what else is going to happen? It's, of course, it's, of course, what the response was and the only thing it was ever going to be. Uh, and now, before we wrap up here, the Philly, you know, I think we both think the Phillies have a good chance of redeeming themselves tonight, of winning this game on the road, of, of, uh, of, of maintaining their lead in the NLCS. Uh, but outside of that, you know, there was other, other things quietly going on. And I did want to talk about, real quick, one Bryce Harper quote because Bryce Harper quotes have tended to influence Philly's roster decisions <laughs> potentially uh, in the past. And just you know, saying a guy's name that he's interested in, the amount of guys he's mentioned, oh boy, I hope like that person gets re-signed or that person gets signed out of free agency or whatever. It, it hasn't always happened, but it has happened most of the time, it feels. And, you know, you don't know. Maybe the team was going in that direction anyway, regardless of what he said. But I think it's it's enough to – he's in an influential enough position as a superstar on a huge deal with a team that you can assume at this point he's going to end his career with, uh, that he's going to – what he says has some, some weight in the front office even, as much as they must love that. Uh, but he did say recently – uh, that when asked about like, you know, what's, what's the future here as far as your position goes. And, you know, I think when he started playing first, you started thinking more about what's the Phillies future at first base. What's the deal with this, uh, this first baseman they had, who is in his last year before free agency, who tore his ACL in spring training. When Reese Hoskins threw out that first pitch before the playoff game, I think there were some people who were like, oh yeah. That was his goodbye. That was the Phillies saying, "Well, you can just, you can just say goodbye." I think to uh, to Reese Hoskins when he comes out and throws this first pitch. And um, you know, he said Bryce Harper, according to Phillies Nation, Bryce Harper was saying about his future at first that, of course, with Reese possibly coming back, whatever that determines or whatever happens with that, I expect him to go back to first base and me go to the outfield and play out there in some capacity. Now, he was slipping qualifiers in there like possibly and whatever. But at the same time, you know, he brought up the idea of Reese coming back, which I think is not the most insane thing in the world. Um, and he talked about going back to the outfield, which I felt like was actually I felt like that was maybe less likely than Reese Hoskins coming back, to yeah. be honest, after everything that's happened this year. Um, but him just talking about this and saying it out loud, did this do anything as far as your optimism for the Phillies bringing Reese Hoskins back on a one year show me deal? Um, it made me feel, I don't know, it made me feel at least good that he phrased it that way, that he's thinking about that, that he's not like, yeah, I would love to go to first base, you know, but... (laughs) I consider myself the Phillies' first baseman of the future. (laughs) Uh, But instead, he, uh, instead, he said, you know, well, it, it depends on what happens with Reese, and he didn't say, I would play first base, he said... You know, if Reese comes back, he would go there and I would go to the outfield. And, you know, that's sort of what he said. And it made it feel like that's what he wanted to happen or that he assumed that was going to happen. It wasn't anything definitive, of course. But, you know, this isn't quite the time for those conversations. We'll be there is still time for reporters to ask, you know, Bryce Harper the, you know, what do you think about, you know, Aaron Nola and 
um, Aaron Nolan, Reese Hoskins, they're in contract years. They need, you know, do, do you want them back? There's time to ask that. You know, there's still time. Uh, but right now, that's sort of like the best we could get. And I think that's pretty good, you know? He at least is like, no, like, I'm assuming that I'm going to go back to the outfield. That's my assumption that, you know, Reese is, you know, he's, he sort of said it in a way that's like, yeah, Reese will probably be here. You know, this was all from a, a press conference before the NLCS had even started, but I wanted to talk about it now because, A, we didn't have a lot to say about the Game 3 loss other no. than what we've already <laughs> said, and I wanted to fit this in. And I also wanted to mention Bryce Harper's initial comments about the D-backs when he was asked about them going into the NLCS <laughs> because he said, they're a really good team. They're very well coached. They play a fundamentally sound baseball game. They run the bases hard. They play good defense. They hit well. Liz, was he just reading directly from Max's letter to Chase Huntley when he was when he was doing this, or was he just saying, "Hmm, what can I say about any baseball team that's ever existed?" But just make it sound like it's about the Diamondbacks. It felt to me that he did not know the name of a single player on the Diamondbacks off the top of his head. Ooh, yeah, because he goes, "They've got a lot of young guys over exactly. there, mixed, mixed in with some veterans." That's every. Oh, he does mention Evan Longoria by name, but that's probably because he's like Evan well, Longoria has been in the league since the Phillies. His first, <laughs> his rookie year, I believe, was uh, two thousand eight. Like I think that was, if not his first year, it was like his second year in the majors. Like Evan Longoria has been around a long time. You know, of course he knows who Evan Longoria is, but like it struck me very much as. Like, if he was talking about, the, what do you think about the Braves? Well, you know, they've got Ronald Acuna. He's got all those stolen bases. He's obviously probably going to be MVP. You know, they've got a uh, pitcher guy with the mustache. You know, they've got other guy who pitches for them that they think is good. You know, he would be able to name guys that I've even forgotten by now. <laughs> Thank God. Um but he would be able to name them. Like, when came to the Diamondbacks, he's just like, they do these things good because they're in the playoffs, and my assumption is that they have to do these things well for them to be here, right? That, that's a safe assumption, right? <laughs> there you go. Yeah, he's, he's going to be diplomatic about anything. He's, he's too media trained not to be. Oh, yeah. Um, but despite everything we've said here, I would also say that, you know, we're not looking past the Diamondbacks. You know, the Phillies aren't looking past the Diamondbacks. And, you know, as uh, as we're as much as we're letting last night's loss roll off our backs, I does feel like tonight the win feels a little more crucial. So yeah. I think the Phillies bats will show up again tonight. I think last night will be motivation for them as it typically is. And I think they're going to, I think they're going to come through. I think they're going to be used to being in Arizona. They're going to be a little more used to that stadium. Uh, and I, I think they're I think they're going to show up and be more of the team we recognize this evening at the plate. Uh, that being said, they are starting Christopher Sanchez in his first postseason start. He'll be starting against Joe Mantiply, who is, um, you know, he's got a nine ERA in the playoffs. <laughs> Look, is- they got they got pasted by Brandon Fott last night. So fine. Yeah. Fair enough. But like mm, you should. You should be able to hit this guy. You should be able to hit this guy. His name, by the way, makes me think of like a a sea creature with very, very long, long fingers. (laughs) There you go. Take that, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It just makes me like that's exactly what I thought. I'm like, no, that's not what I what am I thinking about? I'm like, is it Jeff Manship who also sounds sort of like, you know, some kind of ancient sea creature in a way? Yeah, not a baseball player. Certainly. Yeah. That's definitely fair. 
Um, but yeah, Christopher Sanchez will get the start tonight. Taiwan Walker will reportedly be around for bulk relief if necessary. I'll be way less nervous watching Sanchez than I will be watching Walker, as our friend John Solness pointed out. Yes, Walker struggles in the first inning, so maybe starting him later in the game is going to solve that, but he still has a first inning, <laughs> even if it's not the first inning. So you still got to watch out for that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, should be, should be interesting. This is, this would be a big win for the Phillies if they were able to pull off uh, uh, this win and then go into their next start with their rotation cycling back to the top again. So, Hey, one can hope Sanchez has had a great year for the Phillies. There were times where he was their second best starting option. So, Hey, you never know. And this is uh, this is a game where I think the Phillies bats show back up. They know what they need to do. And I think they're going to do it. Uh, so that'll do it for this episode of hitting season. As always, if you want to get our episodes as they are published, go to hit, uh, go to billypen.com slash hit and season and for bonus content head on over to the patreon at patreon.com slash hit and season for whyy and billy penn i'm justin clue i'm liz grosher and this has been hit and season